Welcome back to episode two of the Chippewa Hockey Download. My name is Devin Sarah, joined alongside Reagan Cleese and Joe Grogan, where we talk all things Central Michigan hockey, Division Three men's and women's hockey, Division Two. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. It's good to be back too, Devin. Great to be with you guys. It's good to be back, Devin. You know, guys, we had a awesome first show. That probably couldn't have gone better from just a production standpoint. We had a lot of issues, though, in the beginning with Zencaster. This software was definitely an animal, but I think we got it figured out so far. I'm going to cross my fingers and uh, not try to jinx myself too soon, but so far, so good. Really great episode. We got another great episode coming up here. In this episode, we're going to be talking the Division Two women's team. We're going to talk to the captain of their team, Emily Costelny, the former sophomore from Livonia, Michigan, that played with the team last season. We're going to talk about their season as well as projecting the future for them, looking at their future schedule. And we'll talk to Emily about her experiences with the team and how she got her start in hockey. With that, we're pleased to welcome Emily Costelny to the show. Emily, it's great to have you on. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for sticking in there with us. Again, we mentioned the production issues a little bit. But we're happy to have you on. You guys have a really promising future coming up. A lot of promising prospects are coming up through your program. And we announced earlier this year that we were going to be covering on the CMU Club Hockey Network, the Division II women's ice hockey team. We have previously covered the Division Three men's team throughout their season. And we've had a great time doing that. And now we're going to start to expand our network a bit and cover more hockey, give more insights into all things the women's team and I think that's really exciting for not just me and Reagan but you as well Joe um, the rest of our production team and Emily I know it's been a long time coming to get this underway and I don't know about you but I couldn't be more pumped to watch a different team at CMU and and yours with how much turnover there's going to be this year oh my god I'm so excited there's gonna be a big difference now it definitely took a lot of time to create it too but it's definitely coming and a lot of our uh, opponents don't know it yeah, and in a stacked, you guys play in the CCWHA, your conference, a lot of notable teams in that one, you know, Michigan State, Adrian is in that conference as well, I believe. Yep, Northern, Loyola, all of them, basically all the teams we play are almost in them all. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of really strong programs on the women's side. I think Adrian went to the national tournament as well last season. So we're going to talk about the competition and your schedule as well in this show. With that, let's get right into it. So, Emily, growing up in Livonia, Michigan, you probably had a good amount of background. Tell us a bit what it was like growing up in Livonia and getting your start in hockey. Um, so basically, it all started with my older sister, actually. My dad tried getting her into hockey, and she was not about it, so he didn't even try with me. But I have four older boy cousins, and we used to always play mini sticks in their basement. So when I was about eight years old, I was like, I want to try playing hockey because I want to beat you guys one day. And that's kind of how it all started off there. And so for the majority, I played for the Livonia Knights travel up until I was about 15 ish somewhere around there and then i went over to little caesars emily you mentioned that you uh played at little caesars how long have you played there and uh what's one of your favorite memories with that club um i definitely played there all the way up until 19u so before i came to cmu probably my favorite experience there was so my last year at 14u i had this coach who was not the biggest fan of me i always rode the bench that entire year, rode the bench all the time. Um, definitely got screamed at a lot. And then the following year, when I went to Little Caesars, I transferred over. I started off the first shift as center, and we beat them the entire season. And it was a great feeling for me. So that was definitely probably my number one. I know that the Detroit Red Wings organization is kind of heavily involved in that program. And so talking about the talent level, I mean, you probably had the chance when you weren't on the bench with that coach, when you were on the ice, you probably had the chance to play with some talented players. With that, I mean, how did you come up through the ranks otherwise in hockey and how did it lead you to playing at CMU? 
Well, originally, because I broke my collarbone for the very first time, my senior showcase year was Little Caesars the week before States, which was terrible. But because of that, I stopped looking for hockey to play college hockey. And I was focusing on my major as pre-PA. And that's kind of how I came to CMU. And knowing the CMU team, because I went to a prospect skate for CMU the weekend before I broke my collarbone as well. I was like, this is where I want to go because of my major. And it's also be my best chance of coming back to hockey after coming straight out of an injury so that's kind of how that worked and then my team's been nothing but supportive about my collarbone ever since then you mentioned that they've uh, been supportive about your collarbone you've broken it more than once yeah i broke it again this past season at the end of it against aquinas near november-ish somewhere around there it was actually my teammate's sister who flipped over my shoulder and broke it but that led me to being out for three months this past season i've had three surgeries on it as well (laughs) oh my gosh Wow. So so just from the start, you were just caught with the injury ick. I can't imagine how frustrating that must be. And we're going to touch on it a little bit later, but you actually broke your collarbone this past season as well. I have broken my collarbone once. It's a funny story. I was in preschool. We're in gym class playing red light, green light. This kid just, the teacher says red. The, t- the kid, This kid right behind me just keeps going, signs right into me. And I broke my collarbone. I, I feel the pain. I, I was in a cast for about five to six months and I've... <laughs> Over the course of the next five to six months, I kept falling on my on the hand I got injured or the collarbone that broke, and it was just excruciating pain. So I actually I, I feel what you what you went through. Red light, green light is a ruthless playground game. If you don't have your laces strapped up tight like piano string, you're going to get tied up and uh, you're going to go end over end. I can attest that because I've banged up my knee a number of times trying to keep up in that game because I was one of the more clueless kids. So you come to CMU, you're studying. You said you're studying PPE. Was that your major? No, I was pre-PA. But then I switched to actually this past semester to sport management. You come to CMU, you're studying pre-PA, you switch to sport management. How does that play into your hockey career at all? Does it affect you at all schedule-wise on the ice? And was that transition difficult? I know some students, when they switch majors during college, it can be sort of not an overwhelming thing, but it can be definitely tedious and a distraction. For me, it was almost more of like a relieving feeling because I have been terrified about the thought of changing my major for as long as I've probably been alive now. I mean, I was doing pre-PA stuff going towards it for four years now, doing classes and everything. And I was like, you know what? I don't know about this because during first semester, I was going through a really rough time and all I wanted to do was extra stuff for hockey. That's it. And I was like, maybe I should look at the sport management route. Went in that and then I was like, yeah, I want to be president. So now here I am. So it was really good. And I also don't, I love hockey so much. I don't know how I'm going to live life without it. And obviously as a girl, there's no NHL to shoot for anything. So I was like, I'm just going to make a career out of it. Take what you love and call it work. You you talk about being uh, the president of the club at CMU uh, women's team. Uh, What does that entail? What's your day-to-day job like, at least when it comes to that? Well, as of right now, throughout the summer, a lot of it's just a lot of text messages and emails, especially the email part. And just trying to order in uniforms, order in apparel, set the schedule, uh, start scheduling all of our meetings, our team meetings, how we're going to go about it, what's our constitution for to turn into club sports. Um, Basically, it's a bunch of that stuff. It's just setting everything up for the season so we can actually have one. Yeah, and I know how much work goes into that because when I first came to the D3 team broadcasting them, I learned from their captain, Brennan Martin, about how much work they had to do to get basically accepted by the school to play that season because COVID really made things damaging. Um, And I referenced that because your team didn't get to play during COVID. So talk about that a little bit. What was that like? What did your team do without being able to play that season? So we didn't even have any ice time at all until March. So this would have been my freshman year, two years ago. We started having practices one night a week, and that was it. And I actually, the second I was finally clear to start practicing again, of course, I got COVID. So that was awesome. Totally missed like a whole nother month of ice time. But it was it was kind of awkward because like no one really knew anybody in the locker room and nobody really knew what was going on. So that was for sure a struggle. And we didn't even have a full team roster at that time either. We didn't have any goalies still. We were like, it's not even like we would be playing. So it wasn't like too heartbreaking for us. It was more of like, let's just take this time to develop our own personal skills and look into next year. Joe, you got any comments on that? I know you didn't get to come in as a freshman during COVID, but I mean, can you attest that at all? Was like there, there challenges to work around when you came here? Because we were still under COVID guidelines. 
so yeah, we were going to play Robert Morris and I was actually pumped for them to come in because it's a, it was the first team that we played that was out of state, out of our conference. I was really looking forward to cover their media, but then at the last second, the team, Robert Morris had to cancel. So yeah, it was kind of a disappointing, it's disappointing to hear and we never got to reschedule from that. But I think that was really the only COVID thing we had to worry about the whole season, in my opinion, for uh, 2021, 2022. I think the hardest part about the 21-22 season with COVID was how different schools were on different guidelines and trying to figure out what rinks you had to wear a mask in, what rinks you didn't, things like that. It just was chaotic. You talked about not even having a full roster. Talk about what it was like now coming in as a sophomore. It's technically your first year as a player because of the COVID year. What work did you have to do in the recruiting side? Recruiting side, we are absolutely blessed for our head coach, Chris, because he is on top of it all the time. If you text him while he's working, he's probably doing recruiting stuff. It's hilarious, but also very grateful on our side of the end. But for the most part, we just started doing a lot more skates and not only prospect skates, but we invite girls to come out to our practices. And we know it's late on weeknights, but sometimes that tends to work better for them. So we'll like invite them out to escape. They want to stay the whole weekend and stay to watch a game. We do that. And that tends to be a good way for like prospects to see what it's actually like in season to meet the entire team, kind of get a feel of what our routines are for game days or for practices and I think that's like the best way for recruits to find what they're looking for exactly is by actually going to a practice or actually going to a game to see the environment rather than just doing a prospect skate and then we just email them a lot we send so many emails to them we do not leave them alone unless we know you're done with us and have no interest in us we do not leave them alone because <laughs> we're all about communication that's all we want from our recruits is we like obviously it's a big choice in your life it's not just for hockey it's for your education it's for your career the rest of your life so we want everyone to like not choose us just because of hockey. We want them to be comfortable where they're at and say that, yeah, this is truly the right spot for me. It has everything that I need. So we're not going to like try to persuade you on that. We're not going to sugarcoat anything. We're going to be straight up with you. Like, oh, you're going to, you might struggle with this at CMU or this. So that's kind of what has helped us a lot too. And we just want the honest communication. That's it. Yeah, you talk about communication. Absolutely the most important thing in club hockey is the simple stuff. Okay, what time is practice? Do we all have our gear? Who's bringing on the bus? <laughs> Sometimes that stuff gets left, and we've seen all it. All the time. <laughs> it, it. It's happened with the old swap. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I know the, the work can be tedious, but it's important to have somebody step up and be that leader and communicate the simple ice time, the jersey, the everyone got their skates, equipment, etc. Your head coach, Chris Haney, I'm sure has done a great job of that. Transitioning a bit, let's go into this past season, the 2021-2022 season. Emily, this year, again, I mentioned it, your first year as a player. Take us through it a bit. You guys didn't have the year you were hoping for. Four wins on the year. You guys had... A couple of notable wins at BGSU and Loyola Chicago. Otherwise, not favorable outcomes, but your team competed hard in a lot of games. And that's something I noticed throughout the year. Talk us through this past season. I mean, walking into it, I know a lot of the girls who were seniors and have been on the team for a while, they didn't really have much high hope at all for the season. They didn't think we would win anything, maybe give a little bit of a competition, but that's it. But we definitely came out. The first few games were like a doozy, kind of like, all right, we're not getting this together. Our breakout is not even working, like just kind of falling apart. And so we switched our practices to focusing more on not just skills, but also trying to implement some more plays, whatever, and figure out who's working best with who, who should be D partners, who should be on the line together. And doing that kind of set us up a little bit more. And then we started getting really close in the locker room. And of course, I have a loud mouth, so I'm always yelling in the locker room. And I think that a lot of the time my team bonds over making fun of me together. I mean, it, it's it's interesting. I have no idea how to explain our locker room. But we kind of started, like, one person started being more motivating than it just, it's contagious. And so we all came out with determination. Then the first time we got our first goal of the season, we were like, all right, we can do something. We're proving to ourselves that we can do better than we were beforehand. So we need to start playing like we can. And we knew that our skill level overall wasn't as high as the other teams, but we were going to put a fight up. And it was hilarious sometimes seeing how mad those parents got and those girls because they just did not expect it every once in a while would catch teams off guard. So that's kind of how that went. When I was out for three months, that was definitely interesting because I was home for a while because I obviously was on medications. And so even though I was home, though, they always made me feel included by always FaceTiming me when they're in their locker room with the coach talking. I was always still included and whatnot. 
and you know they never thought I was going to come back and I was like listen I've came back multiple times I'm still coming back so that kind of was a doozy and then readjusting the lines because I was out and then of course you know injuries are always a problem they're always a problem but I think that our goalies really saved our butts this season I really think we have two of the best goalies that we can possibly have in Acha and they're definitely up there and they save us from a lot of games the scoreboard could have been a lot worse because we just did not play good, but our goalies still hold it together. I have no idea what drive motivation they have, but we all need it. <laughs> yeah, your goaltender, Lauren Abraham. Talk about a standout star, not just on your team, but in Division Two women's. Put up a respectable two-goal allowance against Northern Michigan, who pretty much overwhelmed you guys. You guys, in fe- and we're talking in February here, February of 2022. Northern Michigan uh six nothing loss and then one to two. Was that kind of the game that it was like, oh, we've got something really special here? Yeah, I think a lot of the big thing too that helps us keep going when we feel like we're about to get slaughtered in games like that where you're like, we just lost so much and this is not gonna go good today. We kind of look at each other and we're like, we gotta do this for our goalies. Like our poor goalies. Like we gotta start stepping it up a little more. And actually that second game we played a lot better than we did the first game. It was kind of there was intense moments in the rink. There was definitely some tension in the air. But I mean like when you're just watching your goalie, there's been games where she's had over a hundred shots and she's just dead tired afterwards and you're like, we gotta do something different. And then you'll see her complain or be upset at us. And I think that's like worse than a coach being mad at you it's your goalie being mad at the whole team right and and your two goaltenders lauren abraham and brianna schroer who put up a respectable effort in her own i think it says here played in 12 games this year splitting time that's difficult and i'm sure that rally point can be so important reagan you're a former goaltender how important is it when the goaltender is playing well and the team notices that how much does that play into the game itself and on a team that isn't having the most success, how does it play in and and how does it affect the game? Well, not only from my playing career, but also from my broadcasting career, it certainly does, like all the games that I've seen, a good goaltender and a goaltender that's on top of their game really provides a boost to a team. They could be struggling not only, like, maybe in just the game, or they could be struggling all season. But when you got a good goalie, you want the team to step up, and the team will step up because they want to play for their goalie. Another example that springs to mind is, I think it was 2014, I was at a Grand Rapids-Griffins game, and the Iowa Wild were getting pummeled by Grand Rapids. And I mean absolutely pummeled. I think it was like 7 nothing by the end of the second. They put in their emergency backup goaltender, who their normal, or Iowa's starting netminder, was called up to Minnesota the night before. And so they, uh, so the Griffins provided a goaltender, uh, Dave DeSander, who is the goaltender coach for the Muskegon Lumberjacks of the USHL. And so he was the backup netminder for Iowa that night. They put him in, and the third period that Iowa played was absolutely phenomenal. They stepped up their defensive game. They got a lot more shots on. They pressured the Griffins a little bit more. And that just shows you when you get a goaltender in that's that's playing well, just goes to show you how a team will play for their goalie no matter the situation in the game. Reagan, coming in with the Grand Rapids Griffins reference, just had to throw it in there, man. Just had to find a way. I think we're going to be hearing that a lot on this this pod, man. I only watched over uh, over hundreds of games for them. It's it's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, but that that is great points about how much a standout play, even in one period, the goaltender can affect the game. And Emily, yours certainly did. Now that I fixed my notes here, <laughs> I was actually working backwards. We were at the end of the year. Well, we're just letting you roll with it. Innocence is or ignorance is blessed. They hey. say. Hey, you know, you you told me to just go with the flow and the roll of it, so I said okay. <laughs> so it's kind of so relevant about a goaltending topic, but working from the actual beginning now, <laughs> October, Michigan State, you guys came out in that series, and this was really the actual starting point of Lauren Abrams' career. Your goaltenders, you mentioned, standing out for you, a two nothing deficit, three nothing in the next game, and then you guys go on the road in your third game to Loyola Chicago, a 3-2 victory. Talk about that first win. It's your first win as an official player for your team. Talk about how much excitement there was from your squad. We were going crazy. I mean, We felt like we were on top of the world that game. That, sec- that third game, and we took a win 
Oh, it felt great. Because we also, I mean, obviously looking at the MSU games, 2 nothing and 3 nothing, there were no goals scored on our part yet either. And so once I put the first goal in, everyone's energy just went off the walls in that rink. And we just started skating like we have never seen any of each other skate before. And so like that's when we learned that we knew there was something there. There was the dynamic there. It was just the lack of motivation and drive that we struggled with a lot. It was the mentality. And especially that it was away at Chicago. I think the whole hotel and bus trip and everything really allowed the team to bond closer together which obviously shows on the ice too you can tell how well a team is together off the ice looking at their plays on the ice and how well they combine um who who scored in that game i know that i got the first one otherwise off the top of my head i don't know okay i i see self-centered here <laughs> just kidding <laughs> just kidding i remember Joe i had a chirp i had a fucking chirp i had to i had, to, I had to do it i had to do it i had to do it hey you know what Hey, we haven't even got to the TikTok account yet. We're gonna oh, we're going to the TikTok too. Don't forget, I wrote that down. I wrote that down. We got the TikTok. Hope you've got the bleep button ready, Devin. Oh yeah. So all right, two in the last twenty seconds. So continuing on, the month of October is a lot better for you guys. Out of the gate, you only give up three goals in these games, and you mentioned the play of your goaltending, not necessarily in the offensive category that you guys would like. But you guys come to Bowling Green, October 22nd, pump 6 nothing on Bowling Green State. This had to be, if not a turning point, at least one of the highlights of the year. Oh, it was. I mean, we totally like carried over the energy from our wins at Loyola and carried it over to BG. And, you know, of course, now everyone's more into the season. Everyone's looking up their roster and trying to find everything they possibly can on the internet and whatnot. And we definitely came out strong, 6 nothing. But then the next day, we got a little too confident and cocky and lost 3 nothing, which was one of the most embarrassing moments of the season, that's for sure. I don't think you can underestimate your team, though, because you had back-to-back wins. It's not like a negative connotation, but I think that's the first time you guys had back-to-back victories in a long time. Oh, no, we were just excited about that. We were with you on that train. We were like, holy, so we're actually capable. We just have to find ways to make it work all the time consistently. So you guys get back-to-back victories. You go and play Aquinas two weeks later. Not your greatest series, but I actually know a player on Aquinas College's team, number 25, Anna Castle. She's a defenseman. Emily, I believe you mentioned before that you played with her. Oh, yeah, I used to play with her. Okay, so you've... You mentioned you, you, that you played with her for a couple for a couple of years. Do you remember anything? Uh, like, do you have any fun memories of playing with her? Some uh, anything like that? I remember one time at hockey. I believe it was at Notre Dame, if I'm not wrong. Um, so we were playing the same team, and we actually both of us decided we didn't want what the team was eating for the team meal, or at least half the team was going to some restaurant. And so me and her and our parents just went to a whole different one. And I think me and her really got to talk and bond a little bit more over that meal. Yeah, that that, that sounds kind of fun. Uh, did that give you any extra motivation heading into the Aquinas series? Um, Yeah, I would say, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've played with three of the girls on that team, I believe I can remember correctly. So I know three of them very well. I've played with them, or I at least know them somehow. And so when we went out to the series... It was kind of like, uh, it wasn't the best mentality we went out with it as a team because obviously we're still upset about our loss with the BG. And then um, Aquinas is it's just a scrimmage. Like, they're not in our league. And so, obviously, if you tell your players that it's just a scrimmage and doesn't count towards the league, it gets into your head a little bit. And so, and Aquinas came out and they got talent. They definitely have talent on that team. And I don't think we were prepared for that at all. Anna Castle, she's like one of my best friends from home. Um, I grew up with her in high school. We both went to Wald Lake Northern. She didn't play for Wald Lake the Wild. She did a game with me commentating for Wald Lake Northern's men's varsity team. Yeah, she had a lot of fun with it. She's one of my best friends. Shout out to Anna, by the way. Very determined person. Oh yeah, Anna's a she's a spitfire. Aquinas wasn't the result you wanted, but Aquinas is a pretty respectable team. I know that defensively and goaltending, they're very good. They are one of the better teams in that category. So shifting gears throughout the year, we go through November, sort of a rough month for you guys, 11 to two Lake Superior state. And then you get to Adrian and Adrian's one of interconference rivals is Adrian. One of those teams that do you guys have an edge against? And 
would you consider them your biggest rival, or who would you consider your biggest opponent? Oh, especially after this season, it's definitely MSU. That's definitely number one. But I think with Adrian, things like we don't really have anything against them. It's really the fact that Adrian's just known as a college for hockey. I mean, they have however many hockey teams there. That's what they're known for. Like if you, you know, you know a lot of hockey players from Adrian. If you know anyone from Adrian, they're most likely playing hockey. And they always tend to be very aggressive as well. And I think that's the reason why we like almost look at them as rivals because we know it's going to be an aggressive game. I mean, the month of November, that was a big time for you guys. Some big news. Former captain Anastasia Hartman came back to the team after, I believe, a year absence. She was going to Eastern Michigan for her master's or MBA. What kind of impact and energy did she bring to the team on and off the ice? Yeah, well, she she was actually doing her master's at CMU and Eastern. Fun fact, all at the same time. Oh, How? Okay. I have no idea. Wow. Um, but when she came back, I remember Mac was talking to me about it and was kind of like hesitant, like, hey, this girl wants to come back. She used to be president of the team, graduated a while ago. And she was like, I'm scared, though, if the girls don't want to accept her. And so I'm like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. We need her. We absolutely need her. Even if she just shows up for games, the whole team was like, no, we don't care if you're not there for practices. If you're going to be there just for games, we don't care. We need the bodies because we were all dying on the ice all <laughs> season. And I'm really glad, too, because... Luckily, she came back before I broke my collarbone, so I got to know her before then, so it wasn't awkward for me personally as well, but she really blended in really nicely, kind of took the role of like being the role model on the team, and she's a very positive person. She's going to be that person on the bench where if you're like criticizing yourself, she's going to be like, it wasn't that bad, just do better next time. She's all about the positivity, and especially mm -hmm. with girls hockey compared to guys hockey, girls need that positive feedback rather than the negative feedback especially if you're going to give negative feedback you got to give the positive mm -hmm. feedback too because girls are more mentally driven a lot of the times and it's more obviously more emotional too because that's just how we're configured i guess but she definitely brought us up on that part and you mentioned too you guys were short on some players especially on defense you guys were running about two lines of defense so how did you how did people step up to play defense or is it just like coach hey you're in go in play defense and come back out um, no, that's basically what it was. There was a few times where either me or Kira would go back to D for a shift or something, depending on if there's a penalty or whatnot. But, I mean, for the most part, at the beginning of the season, we only had 12 skaters. And that was because Bree, our other goalie, she didn't turn 18 for a while. And then we had a forward, Alyssa Tank, who didn't turn 18 until, like, November. And so, obviously, that was really frustrating because we're all just looking at them standing on the bench. We're like, we wish you could play because we're dying. I think that gave us a struggle a lot through the season, too, is that we just couldn't keep up with teams that had full rosters. So kind of getting into the end part of the season here, you guys had afterwards that Adrian series. In December and January, you played Sioux College, and then a cancellation of the series against California University of Pennsylvania. And you also had a game afterwards canceled with Lake Superior State. So for almost two weeks... You didn't play until you went up against Bowling Green. What led to all those cancellations? Um, So a lot of it was money. We had a lot of money issues on the team where we didn't really plan how to, when to collect what certain amount of money to order everything. I mean, we didn't have uniforms or warmups for however long that was because we didn't get our uniforms until I think it was either December or January. So we were just using scraps that we found at the rink. And then our warmups came probably around the time we played BG. But basically, LSSU, my team didn't want to play because we decided that we knew what the outcome was going to be, which is kind of sad when you say it like that. And then we were like, well, we still want to play games, though. So then we played Bowling Green, obviously. And that was kind of like we all wanted to play that game as well because we wanted to beat them again to show them that we were the better team. Because after our 6-0 win and our 3-0 loss, we were like, we got to show them again. So we chose to play them again kind of get that out of our systems which luckily we did, and we beat them 5-1. to one. But the, as cancellations go, most of it was just money issues, which was really unfortunate that we were not prepared for that. That's definitely a humbling experience, I, I can imagine. But respect to you for definitely admitting that because I think a lot of teams go through the same struggle of trying to finance their season, You know, especially when Nationals rolls around, which is a completely separate thing. Most of the teams that go have to crowdsource and have to fundraise from the parents, from donors, from sponsors, whoever is able to send that team. So it's completely understandable that a situation like that could happen. And even with jerseys, I mean, our good friends over at the Hockey House Pod describe this kind of welcome to the ACHA moment. I think 
that could be described as one having your games canceled due to money related issues, jerseys, and not to mention COVID going on. Oh yeah. Our budget was so messed up by that time. Cause our budget was just out of the pocket and it sucks when you like tell your teammates like, Oh, this, this is going to be your payment every single month. They have to go back and say, actually, we need more money like right now, especially as like college kids playing a club sport. I mean, you get no support and hockey is like one of the most expensive sports you can play. It's terrible because then, you you know, you can't yell at people either for not paying because everyone's in college or paying for college or paying for groceries or paying for rent. And then you put hockey on top of it, which is technically not their first priority. Their first priority is school. And that's what we always stand by, too. Oh god, I'm terrified. Imagine that you're doing it. Time now for the Ring of Fire. Guys, this is a new segment that we are gonna have on this show. Basically, how this works is our guest will receive four questions, each with their own context. They must answer them in one minute maximum. So under a minute, you must answer each of the questions and no longer, we will be timing it. This is a this is a rapid style questionnaire. This is a lightning round. So thank you, thank you Reagan. Speed round, yeah, couldn't think of words. Isn't that funny, as a broadcaster? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look at the chirps, bud. All right, bud. All right, we'll get it going. Off air, we'll get it going, man. I'll rip into you, it's all right. First question. Best chirp received and or given this season? Just this season? Yes. Oh, no. Um, I don't know. It's hard because we don't really talk that much. Like, we do, but, like, normally it's just, like, simple stuff that you expect. Um, oh, God. Oh, God. 30 seconds. Or something else. I don't know because there's really not much said besides like you know like a bunch of cuss words all in this one sentence that apparently form a sentence even though it doesn't that's normally how it goes it's like every cuss word in the book you just spit it out there you know you just start calling girls ugly and whatnot and it really gets under their skin <laughs> and then you know someone tells you someone tells you that you're ugly and you say have you looked in the mirror yet sweetie <laughs> like you know it's things like that that's all I got. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Call the girl ugly. That's a good one. It's much good. better when okay. playing the football games. Favorite pregame snack? Oh my god, I have so many. Uh, first, I like fruit snacks. I like cliff bars. And before every game, I have to have my cotton candy bang. I gotta chug it in the locker room. Absolutely, I'm the burper. I burp when coach is talking, whether it's during a game or during practice. And I always get the dirty looks for it, but I cannot help myself. Um, sometimes mac and cheese. If it's like an away game and it's like nine in the morning, I'll eat mac and cheese for uh, breakfast. That's a good one. <laughs> always gotta have chalk milk on the side. Sometimes we eat McDonald's, you know, hash browns, Sasha McMuffins. Not really good nutritional wise, but it works. <laughs> Shout out the number one egg cream muffin meal. That's definitely a go to for me on game oh, yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. And I get to that and grilled cheese that I get to dip in Reagan's coffee, which is actually a story we got to talk about. <laughs> Joe, you know what I'm talking about, man. Oh, that my gosh. Just so wrong. <laughs> oh, he needs one. I've made a couple of trips to the snack bar to get him one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Favorite slash best game this season? Ooh, probably, honestly, the last two that we had when we scrimmaged MSU because we came out strong. We gave them a run for their money, and their parents in the stands were so mad. They were screaming and hauling. They were so mad. I and mean, we put up a fight with them. I'm, I was so mad we didn't win. We That was probably the one game everyone on the team was absolutely frustrated that we didn't win. But, I mean, otherwise, it was a good game, just not scoreboard-wise. My friend lives – literally a minute from suburban ice arena in East Lansing. I didn't get to go. Reagan did shout out that barn. It is hidden. <laughs> you wouldn't know it's there unless you looked for it. But um, it's a pretty good rink though. Damn. What a barn. It's a pretty good rink. Last question. Fired up moment of the season. This can be a goal, a fight or a game day memory on the bus, Ooh. off the ice, etc. <sighs> 
God, the things we talk about, I just can't even talk about out loud. That's the sad part. There's so much that goes on that I just cannot talk about, and it sucks. Um, oh, man. Oh, this is so challenging. But knowing that I'm on the spot makes this ten times harder. Honestly, honestly, though, it would probably be when we were in Chicago, and we all decided to walk, because obviously we had the bus. We all walked to a grocery store in Chicago, and every single one of us just got bangs. People who'd never had bangs before were drinking bangs. We all got bangs, and we were all belching like madmen and bouncing off the walls of the hotel. It was so bad, but it was also so fun at the same time. It was like being little kids on crack again. <laughs> it was chaotic, that's for sure. You were once a little kid on crack? I'm concerned. Dude, bang is crack, man. That stuff, <laughs> that stuff tastes nasty, too. I don't like bang. <laughs> no. Oh, no, it tastes delicious, but it this gets you going. And coffee. I'm telling you, the first time I ever had a bang was also in that Chicago trip. But uh, you really need to hydrate because I got kidney Ooh. stones from it. That's what you get for drinking bang That's, that's why I just stick to coffee. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, now I do it all the time, every it game. Really but is. I just drink water and I'm okay. So we figured it out. All right. Great job, Emily. Thanks for participating in the first ever ring of fire i'd give that about guys how are we going to rate this six rings like are we gonna do like sonic the hedgehog style like six out of ten rings onion rings you can rank it however you want it's your show as you mentioned earlier (laughs) well give give me something before you go reagan no how many how many how many rings how many onion rings would you guess man How many onion rings out of ten would you give that? Onion rings? Are these like yeah. big onion rings or small onion rings? I don't know. I big enough know. to fit I, in your ear. Devin, I gotta which know are very, this. very small. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That was probably a seven or eight. Seven or eight. Good. Personally, I would say like a six. Yeah, I'd I'd give that honestly a yeah a six because you didn't give us a good chirp. I'm trying to be chirp. nice here, guys. Come on, it's no, a change best, of pace. I know. My best chirp incident. In my entire life was when I played for Little Caesars, and that's literally my favorite chirp story to ever tell. And then, at, otherwise, well, then why I did you tell it? You said during this past season. That was well, when I played for Little Caesars. Yeah, you did say during this. That's past why season. I asked you to clarify that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Come on, nice job. We're gonna have to revamp okay, the, I, the, I, the fire. I, I changed that rating. It was a two, just because Devin screwed it all up. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against you, Emily. You did great. Devin just screwed um, it up. Um, as you <laughs> Reagan, I'm going to stick another grilled cheese in your f***ing coffee. That sounds so gross. I don't and I'm going to do it in front of your parents. It tasted just so they can no see. different. It tasted no different. I don't I'm gonna care. Give it, I'm going to give it to your dog, too. The dog will probably enjoy it. Okay, Rocking then I'll Cincinnati. dump it on your nice suit the next time you wear it. Wow. <laughs> I got three this year, buddy. I got three suits this year. How many <laughs> you got? Two? I've got oh, two. Oh, no, you got a yellow but, undershirt, bud. But guess what? Freaking Dwight Schrute over here. <laughs> what? What the hell is that supposed to mean? That was pretty good. No, nope, that's very good. That, that was, was a good trip. It was. It <laughs> that was pretty good. It was. That was original. We talked about the 2021-2022 season, the big wins you had against Bowling Green, Loyola Chicago. I think overall, this year was about your guys' development, first and foremost. You definitely can't look at this year as – Necessarily, there were high expectations going in, as you mentioned, being down to two lines on the blue line almost definitely made it difficult in games where you're playing against three, four lines and definitely a tall order overall for you guys. But I think you guys handled it well, and it's only going to go up from here. And I was going to say that we walked into this year already knowing that it was our like transition year and build up year again, because not only did COVID give us no seasons, but before I even came to see you when I was like in high school, they didn't have a team either because they didn't. They only had like five girls, maybe six girls on the team, and no goalie still. And so, I mean, this is like the first time. This past season was the first time this team has been a thing since I don't know how many years now—three years, four years now, something like that. It was the developing year, getting our foot in the door again, getting your foot in the door, and making small strides as a team, building that foundation that you'll need for the future. Talking about the future now, let's talk about your commitments. This is probably an exciting thing for you guys. You wanted to bolster the forward positions, notably your wingers. You guys made a lot of notable commitments, six forwards and one defenseman and still counting. And let's talk about them a bit. One of them is these, these players 
are from all over the country, I might add. You've got players from Edmonton, Alberta, Wisconsin. You've even got one all the way from Ontario. So give us give us your sneak peek into your prospects. One of them I'll get you started on is Noel Simbro from Florida Alliance, a left winger from West Bend, Wisconsin. Elaborate on her a little bit. Oh my gosh. I love Noelle. I was definitely one of the people that went to meet her when we decided to meet with her on campus and actually in person and kind of give her the scoop. You know, this is kind of what the scoop is. This is what practices are going to look like. These are the drills. But personally, next year, I'm expecting for us to be at a higher skill level. And then her only concern and her mom's only concern about coming to CMU was about the winter time and her driving because obviously she played for Florida, so she didn't have the snow or the winter. And I looked at her and I was like, we're going to take your car in the parking lot. And we're going to learn how to drive in the snow. Don't you worry. I was like, we can carpool too if you're still not comfortable. So that's kind of how that started off. And I remember watching her at practice. I'm like, okay, we need her. We need her. And she was really good in the locker room too. Kind of like snuck her way in to be as bonded as you can with the team the first time you meet them. And then the weekend came and we all thought she was gone. And we were all so upset. We're like, she's not going to come after watching that because that was our worst game ever and um then we found out she committed and we were all, I mean we were all so excited we were all cheering it was a relief for sure but she's definitely a talented player and we're definitely grateful to have her and she's I mean she's a great person off the ice too she's got a personality of gold yeah and it's not just on ice talent that you guys need your team as you mentioned has the struggle financially as it is throughout a year. I think it's important you have people off the ice that are going to be sociable, that are going to want to get out in the community, make stuff happen for you guys where you can crowdsource and make those connections you need. And I know how, from a parent standpoint, at least mine and others, how much is invested in this and how much of a, not only challenge it is moving all the way from Wisconsin to Michigan to go to college as it is, and then playing hockey on top of it, there's definitely a lot of costs involved. I want to touch on your lone defenseman commit so far. From the Sherwood Park Kings Elite Fury, you guys recruited Declan Whitos. Did I say that right? Okay, Declan, if you're listening, we apologize for the butcher. We're probably going to have to have you on the pod just so you can correct it. But <laughs> all the way from Edmonton, Alberta, this player, she was part of, as I mentioned, Fury Hockey, an under-18 AA team that plays in the AA AFHL Provincial. Did I say that right? The AFHL under-18 AA League. Tell us a little bit about what it was that sparked your interest with Declan. What was it about her as a defenseman on that blue line that you guys need help with. Of course, you bolster the offense we mentioned, but the blue line is just as important for you guys on all facets. Talk about what interested you in getting a player like her. Um, Honestly, I'm not sure how we originally found her because Chris definitely did. And I didn't even know that she was being recruited until I had a meeting with her on Zoom with Chris. And um, she kind of actually told us about last season, whatever. And she said it's kind of it was kind of a struggle for her with her last team. And I think that was her biggest fear was being on a team with coaches and teammates like that again. And so I made sure to reassure her that we didn't have any of that clicky stuff. It was the first time I've ever been on that doesn't have clicky stuff. And I'm for sure going to make sure it stays that way, too. But I did see one clip of her playing defense one time. She did show me one. And she looks like she's pretty strong on the blue line, especially as a defenseman. A big thing is having gap control and keeping that play at a good enough level where they can't do something crazy until they get around you. But at the same time, you're not or giving them the whole ice or whatever. And so it looks like she's got that. She looks like a confident shooter from the blue line as well, which is important, especially when we're struggling offensively on getting shots on net, which is also important, which is what we're looking for from Declan. And her family's great too. I met her dad one time and he is hilarious. He's awesome and he's so supportive. Definitely. And I love that you talked about her as a player, but also the dynamic that she's looking for in the locker room. I can go into stats and give up their history it's important to hear it from you directly as the captain who spoke with these players and understands where they're coming from, what their drive is, what they're looking for as a player, as an individual. The rest of the commits are as follows. And I think across the board from just the track record of where these girls are coming from is really, really exciting. Caitlin Williams, a commit from the Kalkaska K-Stars. She's from West Ishpeming, Michigan. You also acquired Brooke Hubert from Oxford, Michigan. She played for the Arizona Kachinas. So on the west side of the United States, played for an affiliate team of the pro NHL hockey team, which I guess we'll call close to 
pro level because now they're playing in an NCAA rink with the Arizona Sun Devils who just built that new ring on campus. So <laughs> jokes aside, a fun player just from the fact that she's coming from that kind of program as well as another player, Zoe Saudi from Belleville, Michigan. She played for Detroit Honeybaked. Now in Michigan, coming from Honeybaked, that has to be a really exciting signing in the fact that she probably has come from a program with good structure, with good work effort, good work ethic, I should say. A lot of exciting stuff just from that. And can you touch on her just really quick? Um, With Zoe, she was definitely the one I was least involved with recruitment-wise. But I think just looking and knowing the fact that she's coming from Honeybaked and having a lot of close friends that always play through Honeybaked, I have no fear of her at all. I have a good feeling she's going to be a good teammate. I have a good feeling she's going to have the technique and skill. Well, I, I hope mean, not. <laughs> she's going to be your teammate. I, I hope there's no fear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of times with girls hockey, the problem is, especially in travel, is that there's the clicks on the team. And it becomes an issue. And then because girls are so, like, such big grudge holders, if they have an issue with you off the ice, they're not giving you the puck on the ice. So that tends to be a good turndown for a lot of girls' teams. So that's, like, one thing I refuse to let this team get to that point because that's absolutely not. Because we're just going to fall apart of what we built already. Absolutely. Your next recruit. This is a player that I didn't personally know but is close to home. From Commerce, Michigan, which is where I'm from, actually, and Wald Lake Wilds, which is the joint venture team between all Wald Lake schools, maybe mine is Central, I kind of forget. From the Wald Lake Wild United hockey team, Grace Leotino. Now, her brother, Nick Leotino, played in the Nall for a number of seasons. I believe he was drafted by the Shreveport Mudbugs, bounced around a couple of other Null teams, but a great friend of mine from high school. It's exciting seeing his sister come to Central Michigan, and I'm sure it has to be exciting getting a player you know has a, as deep of a hockey family as her. I mean, honestly, I personally, I didn't know that. You just educated me on that. But I actually met her this summer at one of our prospect skates in Farmington Hills. And the first thing I did is I just started like messing with her and she would just mess with me right back. And I was like, okay, this is good. This is really good. Like, this is what we need here. So, and then I feel like just coming from a hockey family too, you already have that self drive, like your drive to play hockey is yourself. A lot of times, I think a lot of the times though, there are some players though who have it strictly because of their parents or their family. But I feel like with Grace personally, after meeting her, she has it in herself somewhere. Yeah. And Grace is also a, former soccer player, which by the way, the Wald Lake Northern girls soccer team, my alma mater, Wald Lake Northern High School, they were always one of the best teams in their conference. And she played on a very stout team as a senior. It's great to see her come to Central Michigan. And I hope to actually catch up with her and maybe get Nick to a game or two to come watch her. Finally, your last commitment to your team so far was Gabriella Nixon from Wasaga Beach, Ontario. Last played for the North Simcoe Capitals. North Simcoe, another Canadian, always promising when you have somebody come over from the Northern Territory, her friends over in Canada. Hopefully she didn't have as much border trouble as there was the last couple months. She seems like, in her own right, a promising player in regards to her native country. What has conversations been like with her, and where do you see her fitting into your team dynamic as a forward? I mean, for the most part, she was the most challenging person to get committed because we were having a hard time with CMU because obviously she's from Canada. And so we were having a hard time with CMU and trying to get everything school-wise just situated so we could get her committed. So that was a long process. Of course, that's kind of scary for her when you're trying to go to a school and it's not quite working out. And so that was a relief. When we finally figured all of that out and we got it situated, it was so relieving because we really wanted her because we feel like we need her you know, on the team. We need her skill level. And I think the fact that personally from the opponents I've played, all the Canadian teams, they seem to be more like disciplined, if that makes sense. Most of the time with Canadians, of course, I don't want to be like stereotypical about hockey and whatnot, but we're talking about it. They're going to get off the ice and say, yeah, I know what I did wrong most of the time. And it's like they have the hockey IQ level and whatever. It's just sometimes that struggle. But when a player can actually come to the bench and tell you exactly what they did wrong and what they should have done instead. I mean, that says a lot about a player. I think that's what we want a lot of the times too. Joe, do you have anything to elaborate on this prospect class so far? Yeah, I mean, they kept rolling in. I was following their social media and it was kind of like at one point it was 
a couple days, day after day, they got a new prospect. The one prospect that, you know, popped up on my radar was Brooke Hubert, uh, born in uh, Oxford, Michigan. I believe she went all the way down to Arizona to play with the Arizona Kachinas, which is actually like kind of, it's kind of amazing because it's an affiliate with a pro team. So they're getting the best of the best. And, you know, hopefully she brings a lot to the table for the, uh, the women's team. And then also, I don't think we highlighted uh, Kylie Del Rey, the first prospect signing all the way from Woodridge, Illinois, Chicago Bruins, the forward. I know, Emily, she was t- you were talking with her for a couple of months, and you finally got the pen to the paper in November. What does she bring to the team? Oh, Kylie is lovely. She has a really strong offensive mindset where she can come up with plays that I can probably only think about in practice, if even that. Um, she's always executing. She's also a very positive type of person. And she definitely, you can tell she's a natural born leader. She's got some leadership skills in there, which I'm hoping that she can use for if we ever have down moments, down plays, down games. I'm hoping she can be that person that can get everyone on the same page and motivated again. And so that's what I'm looking for her. But I got to tell you, uh, we had a prospect camp weekend this past year in April. And Kylie, Brooke, and Caitlin all came to it. And I never saw them like skate before besides Kylie. I did play with a summer tournament with her one year. But the rest of them, I never seen them skate. I had no idea exactly what skill level they were, except I knew that Chris really wanted them. And I'm sitting there on the bench as we're scrimmaging during this camp weekend, and I'm watching them. I'm like, holy cow, I am peeing my pants right now because they are so good. I mean, jaw-dropping to the floor. I'm looking at myself in the mirror like, if I don't start doing stuff every day, they're going to make me look terrible out there. I mean, they're really good. Kylie and Brooke definitely have some hands, too. And Caitlin's really good about not just giving the puck up. So there's always that too, but Kylie's been around for a while. We've been in contact with her for who knows how long now. And when we got her committed, it was obviously excitement because it was the first commit and it was back in the fall. You're talking about Kylie Del Rey, the, as you mentioned, commit from the Chicago Bruins, Woodridge, Illinois, Joe, you mentioned. With all of these forwards, it's clear that you guys want to have that offensive presence. You want to be able to, instead of, sticking in your own zone and being constantly forced to the back check and having that tired game where you guys are on your heels, you want to bring something to your opponents. You want to give that competitive edge back that your team's looking for. So where do you see this team at right now as it stands? Where is your team probably going to bolster in your mind? And where do you think the game needs to go for you guys to find an edge in these games and stay in it? Well, I think with these commits with high skill level and stamina, knowing where they're coming from, they're especially going to give us the back checking too, which is a lot what we slacked of forward wise this past year. No one wanted to back check ever, not even like close to back checking or even looking like you're trying. And so I think that with these girls coming from these highly competitive leagues and teams as well, they're going to bring that stamina too, not just the skill. Because you know, what's the point of skill if you're not going to work for it? But um, I can definitely see our team going to the playoffs this season I have full confidence in that and I don't think any of our opposing teams knows what's coming for them because I thought I did too looking at our commits seeing like where they're from but I mean they're good they're really good so I have a lot of high hopes for the season I'm just hoping that we can get that bonding and on ice and off ice bond together and chemical energy before we start playing again especially because it's gonna be such a young team as well we have no seniors a young team and I think the important note you have to make is even though in the ACHA, any hockey league, skill and being good on your edges and, and having pure offensive standpoint shooting or defensive presence or your vision on the ice, the most important thing in this league is the work ethic. More times than not, the teams that want to work the hardest. And I mean, Joel, we saw it so much throughout the D3 year where our team wasn't necessarily the better team in a game, but they stuck stayed in it and eventually came out victorious. One game that comes to mind for me is Lawrence Tech. I think CMU, and and I'm going to talk about the D3 team just for context purposes. When we played Lawrence Tech University in the second round of our playoffs, the MCHC, Lawrence Tech was outplaying our team. Very much so, I think, in the the late stages. Um, there There was a goal called back in overtime, actually. That was that was not a goal. It rang off the iron. But for most of that time period later, it looked like it was Lawrence Tech's game. They were outmaneuvering CMU. They were outpacing them, getting more shots. Thank God we had Thomas Rofe 
I think he has been we, – we can't talk – I mean, geez, this is about the women's team, of course, but we can't talk enough about the now former alumni goaltender. In that game, the whole reason they won was because they stayed in it and they, they disciplined themselves to put in the work ethic. They never let themselves slip for a moment. And there was even regular season games where that was the case, and sometimes it was in their favor, the physicality. Florida Gulf Coast comes to mind for me, Joe. The point is the teams that do well – Regardless of the league, maybe if if you get to the D two and D one good schools, you know like Liberty and NC State and all of those, and even Adrian at the women's level, the work ethic is the most important thing. You have to have players that are willing to sacrifice their body, that are willing to back check, as you mentioned, be that presence in front of the goaltender, oh, and yeah. do the little things right. Win those puck battles, stay disciplined, stay at home as defensemen, using your teammates and using your resources. And I can totally see with everything you've mentioned about this prospect pool and how these girls will come with more discipline. They'll come with the drive to execute on their role the most. And yes, not everyone can be that goal scorer on that team. But the most important thing is if you can come out and surprise those teams early and get yourselves in it, momentum is such an important thing. And I can totally see that being with this team. Real quick, you touched on it. Your goal is to make the playoffs this year. The CCWA... The Central Collegiate Women's Hockey Association, made up of Northern Michigan, Aquinas, Notre Dame, Michigan State, Loyola Chicago, Michigan Flint, CMU, Adrian, Sioux College, Lake Superior State. So a pretty a pretty expansive league, a good number of teams, and uh, some of these programs have previous success with making tournaments, and they have the recruiting where maybe you guys haven't garnered that attention in the past. What do you think is the difference that this team – I talked about the work ethic. What do you look at in your opponents this year, and where do you think the league is at, and how do you plan to combat that as a whole? I think the scariest part about it is not knowing exactly what every team is doing all the time. So for all we know, there's teams that are conditioning right now, and we're not. So there's always things like that. So it's not like getting ahead of myself and saying, oh, we're going to come out and like kill these teams. But I think knowing with our reputation from the past few years of CMU women's hockey, I think we're going to give everyone a good surprise and shock and start being one of those teams at the top where you see us on your schedule and you're trying to do everything you can to prep for that. So I think that's going to be the good part. Um, otherwise, though, I think we've just been striving for a higher competitive level, a little more seriousness, because this past season, a lot of our girls have not had that much experience with hockey, some including that only have played hockey for five years now, and that's it. And that's including them being a senior. And so. I think having the experience level and knowing that we don't have to start from square one of this week, this is how we're going to break out. I think we can just jump into things, which is also going to put us a head start. That's what I'm looking for. So I think it's going to give us a head start knowing that we don't have to start from scratch again, like we had to last season, where we know what we're doing now, e-board wise, coach wise. And now we have players that are coming in that are going to have more discipline and knowledge of hockey than we're going to provide for them. Especially because we are kind of like the team where we're going to let you go on your own. And if you mess up and eat something bad and now you can't play well, that's your problem to fix. We're not going to yell at you for it. We're going to say, why are you not playing your best? But you're now an adult. And I think that's going to be the hardest thing to transition this young team into is not having someone to always follow. You have to make your own decisions, too. Obviously, while you're still adjusting to coming to college, too. And for a lot of them, to a different country or a different state. I've just enjoyed this conversation from your standpoint as your own player, but also as a leader on this team, I think every squad, of course, you talked about maybe other teams could be conditioning, but your team will have, you hope this team has that inspiration, that drive to not just look at the team as, oh, well, I'm going to come out here and play this weekend and it's going to be, we'll see what happens. No, you have a game plan. You're going to come in with an execution plan and it's the game of hockey. doesn't always go to plan, rarely does perfectly. But the important thing is you guys are going to have a real plan. You're going to come into a game, not just with that head over heels mindset of this is not something we can necessarily win. The compete level is going to be something we're going to be interested to watch with you guys all season. Joe, do you have any points real quick? Um, You've watched a number of games for these. I've games. listened to a couple yes. of them. Yep. And I've seen some highlights of them and, yeah, just the energy you guys bring on the ice. It's not like always it's not always serious, uh, which is a good thing. Like you you're out there, you're having fun and you know, you're there to play hockey, but you're also to have a good time. 
I think the thing, too, that I can say confidently is that in every player that's on that roster right now, I can see that they have a drive to win. A lot of them come from different things of what drives them to win. But every single person definitely has a deep down drive where we, we're going to want to win. No matter who we're going up against, no matter if we don't have a good record with them from the past, we're going to want to win. Because this is a brand new team. I think the fact of putting that mindset, too, is that it's a brand new team brand new season and we're not starting from square one i think that's what's going to really put us that far like i said we're going to get to broadcast you guys this year for the first time i'm so excited to get underway yes we follow the d3 team and we're very involved with their squad and we've we've formed a great relationship with them but i think this is an opportunity for not just your team to bolster your relationships inside that locker room but it's an opportunity for us to really see and understand all of you on and off the ice. Bring that aspect to a broadcast. Explain your personalities. Explain the week-to-week basis, the, the the mindset, the little X's and O's that you guys implement to be a better team. I can't wait for it. It's going to be a great time. And, of course, you will be able to find all of those games on our YouTube channel this year, the CMU Club Hockey Network. We will have it all for you this season. Last point. Let's briefly touch on the schedule. So let's preview the schedule a little bit. Emily, talk about some of the notable matchups you've got. You could go through all of it if you want. Give us some notable matchups for this year. Um, so we first start off our season October 1st against a series against MSU. And so obviously that's going to be fun, especially after last season and how we ended that note on with them. We showed them what we were competitive. And so recruitment-wise, I don't know how they are doing. I have not been keeping up on that. But I feel like it's going to be a good competition, little battle of 120, you know, how it goes, rivalry. Uh, and then we play BGSU again, right, in the fall. And so I think that'll be a good turnaround, too, for the team, kind of keep the momentum going is what I'm hoping for, at least for my predictions of knowing their roster as well. And then we're going to have to make sure somehow, though, that we keep that momentum because then we meet up with Adrian. Then we have Loyola again. Of course, the biggest one that's going to be, like, the hardest one to come over men- mentally is end of January, we play Sue. And everyone knows Sue for hockey. It's good hockey. It's Sue. So we're going to have to somehow find our own inner drives and drive as a team as well to overcome games like that, as well as LSSU, which is away once again this year. And then I think there's a difference, too, between playing away games and home games. It's kind of different. You're in a different environment. You're not five minutes away from the rink anymore. So I think that's going to be difficult because we have a lot of away games this season where we didn't have that many last season due to us canceling them. And so we're going to have to find ways of what works for us personally and works what works for a team coming to that schedule too. And then we also, this year, we did add Miami, Ohio, which we played them middle of February, about 18-19, before playoffs start. And so coming in with Miami, Ohio, we don't really know where they're going to be standing at in Acha. So that's going to be interesting. And I think we're going to have to somehow find a drive where we go straight through the whole season with the momentum and not lose oh, it. Oh, gosh. You're talking about Miami, Ohio, the Red Hawks. Goggin Ice Center? Are you going to get yep. to play there? Oh, it is. Okay. So it is. Okay. I um, I got no, really, really actually, excited a for a second series. because Goggin so Ice Center out. is yep. one of my favorite rinks that I have not been to. It looks like the the way the, <laughs> the concourse is structured, the bricks – the the wide gaping red seats that's such an awesome barn i was oh, i was really hoping to stay away but but well, still who knows good news for you devin if uh they stay in our league for acha we'll be away with them next year well you know we're gonna be on site there and we're gonna do it florida golf coast style meaning we're gonna have all around coverage because that place <laughs> is a hockey cathedral finishing up with your sort of schedule here you talked about the rivalries Michigan State, that game out of the gate, going to be your number one focus. Afterwards, you're going to go back to BGSU. We're going to talk to more players on your team. I want to talk to Chris Haney, your head coach. I want to get his input. So, Chris, if you're listening, we got to have you on the pod. Make a day for it. Somehow, let's get it done. Leah Palmer, defenseman, was your leading scorer at the end of the season. That's number one. (laughs) I'd love to get her input. And I'd also like to talk to some of your recruits. Yes. I think as this podcast develops, more players are going to start to figure out the little ins and outs of where they can spit information at us. She's definitely a quiet one, though. You got to watch out for that. <laughs> She's very quiet, but maybe you can get some words out of here. We can see. You know, you're 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 stepping around needles. I can tell on some things, as you did in the Ring of Fire. But that's what we're here for. That's what the media is for: is to get. 
We want that sound bite from you. So we're going to get it no matter what. Oh God. <laughs> I love it. I love it. First period out of the gates. Off to me. This is maybe like, well, hey, I don't you know, know I need to generalize everything. I got to set the tone for everything. I got to give it the setting, you know, context for everyone else to talk. Yeah, absolutely. And as the season goes on, as we get closer to puck drop on the 2022, 2023 season, we're going to dive even deeper into your team as well as the division three men's team. I am pumped as much exciting news that I can't share yet. A lot of great stuff happening, new people, new equipment, new everything for this year. It's going to be bigger and better than ever in 2022, 2023. Emily, thanks for coming on the show. We had a great time speaking with you, our first guest from the women's team. And I'd say you knocked it out of the park. Definitely a Hattie, probably uh, an assist or two in there as well <laughs> on my part or with Reagan. No, that's better than I've done in any game. Thank you. Yeah, def- <laughs> definitely going to be uh, the number one star here. Uh, that's for sure. Joe, you got any closing remarks? Yeah, just good luck, Emily. You you done a great job with the prospects. Keep it up with you know being the president. Are you going to be the president for the next two years? You're a junior. Oh, until I graduate, I plan on being here for three more years. So, I mean, I already have a girl who wow. wants to commit, and she's going to be uh, graduating this year. Oh, oh, some early recruiting news coming out. All right, all so right. she's already wanting com- to commit for the following season for twenty three oh, to twenty four. Nice, nice. So definitely ahead of the <laughs> Get game. Get the graphics now. ready, Joe. Breaking. <laughs> oh my god. I literally had a little celebration fest in my living room of just screaming, running around like a madman. <laughs> so that's how that went. But there's definitely gonna be a lot to talk about this season. Definitely a lot. Well, we can't wait to cover it. Good luck to you and your team this upcoming season. We look forward to covering and watching as your team grows and competes to make it back to the ploffs. Oh why thank you. We're grateful to be working with you guys. So So with that, episode two. Emily Costelny from the CMU D2 women's team, captain, team president. Can't wait to see what you do in the future. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Chippewa Hockey Download. We'll be back next week to talk Division Three men's ice hockey. Take it easy, everybody. There's a world